everyone, and welcome to You'll Probably Agree. We are in the beautiful Galway Bay, not the Galway Bay in Ireland, Galway Bay the bar. They don't know that. In Chicago, <laughs> Illinois. Now they do, since I said it. At 500 <laughs> West Diversity Parkway. So come here, grab a drink, have a good time. I am here with my returning guests, uh, Matthew Bright, who is the social media manager. Did I get that right? You did. Fucking yes. Getting them titles. <laughs> yeah, well, right and now I already sweared, so bye, YouTube. Um, <laughs> at the Laugh Factory Chicago, social yes. media manager. And we have returning guest and my friend from the Mandalorian podcast and the owner slash operator slash god of Kicking the Seat podcast. God with a small G. Oh. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yes, I am Ian Simmons. I'm sorry. I stepped on my own intro. It's, it's and you're good. Go, yeah. go for it. We're in a bar, so we can drink. We say, uh, I'm, we're in a bar. They're both drinking coffees. I'm drinking my cold coffee slash Guinness. Right. We are being the <laughs> worst. Yeah. We're the worst patrons right now for a bar. Look, no, I've been up since great. 4 o'clock this morning. Me too. Yeah, if I'm going to talk agree. at all. Oh, really? 4 o'clock, yeah, man? man. It's, it, 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 like, it kicks in. The job is like, get the content out, market the content. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Every day. I got up late. Um, so, anyways. So, like, what, 4.15? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is that what time it is now? Uh, but Man, who knows? Anyways, so, now we're going to get serious. Uh, Martin Scorsese, as we know, got in a little bit of, uh, little bit of heat uh, for saying, you know, in a... In a uh, at a in a, when he was in London with the interview, saying that he didn't consider Marvel movies to become to be considered cinema, and then he wound up later uh, uh, kind of articulating that point in a op-ed that he wrote for the New York Times, which I have a copy of here. If yes, anyone wants to cheat, uh, <laughs> and as uh, a reference point, yes, as a reference point. And uh, before we get into the deeper conversation i suppose about what it is to be even considered to be a critic uh just as moviegoers what did everyone think of mr scorsese's opinion on the current state of hollywood and what is the current state of hollywood hmm. california yes no, um, <laughs> I've, I've been there <laughs> so much glitter now I'm I'm gonna admit right off the bat and this is utterly pathetic because this story's been around for a few weeks yeah I have not read Scorsese's op-ed. I don't think I even listened to his comments. I just saw the headlines like everyone else on Facebook. You know, Scorsese says yeah. Marvel movies or comic book movies are not cinema. And then he, you know, clarified or something. I don't know what the clarification is. I don't exactly right. know what the context is. So if you would be so gracious as to tell me sure. what his point was, other than I've got a new movie coming out, I should say something to get some attention. Um, right. <laughs> I would appreciate the help. That's what, oh. I mean, that's what a lot of people... Would consider like, oh, this is good PR, good bad PR. If you're saying some shit, you know, it's gonna get your movie attention. Yeah, uh, I would sum it up because I, I read the reference point, if you will, uh, that he's saying that they're just these like uh, he called them like theme park rides. Okay, where yeah. they are uh, like they're fun and you know, they're, and they're ma and they're made for mass consumption. He doesn't. He doesn't feel that there's a, much of an artistic cinematic angle to these movies, right? And I I understand that um, because I think that over the course of the Marvel movies, there have been cases where that is more true than not. Mm. But 
I also maintain that there are some Marvel movies that I would put in the category of cinema, not necessarily the ones you might expect. Not like high cinema or like. Well, I mean, the, you're you could place it next to like Citizen Kane or something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there, you could break that down to say there are Marvel movies that are the Citizen Kane of the genre. Of the genre, of course. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look at a movie like Captain America: Civil War, uh, not necessarily Captain America: Winter Soldier, because I thought, although that movie is dressed up to look and evoke certain you know genres and eras like the 70s spy thriller yeah once i got past that i'm like oh they're just trying to do a 70s spy thriller and mm. legitimize to a certain extent to make cinema as yeah you know mr scorsese might suggest mm -hmm. yeah. but i think like a movie like captain america civil war that is really about really important conflicts that are yeah. tearing these characters apart mm -hmm. within the the greater fabric of the marvel story as moviegoers, we know things that the characters don't. Yep. We know that Thanos, who had been this intergalactic threat, who'd been threatening to make moves on the planet Earth, is coming in the next mm -hmm. few movies. And it, the, this moment where Earth needs its mightiest heroes, yeah. I guess that's the Avengers, uh, they're being ripped apart mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. by a villain who doesn't even wear a mask in the mm -hmm. movie. He uses manipulation and politics to get you know his devious ends. Mm -hmm. I think that's not something that you see in a typical comic book movie, as sure. you might think of it. So I think Civil War is one of the high marks. I would ask Scorsese, have you watched this movie? And if you did, did you get anything out of it? And if not, maybe, and I hate to say this, maybe these movies aren't just, just aren't for him. Yeah. Right. In the same way and that he admits that they aren't in his, in his op-ed. Right. Yeah. In his op-ed, he does mention that a little bit. In the same way that you could take someone who grew up watching the Marvel movies yeah. and say, hey, come watch The Irishman, this three-and-a-half-hour crime drama. You're like, why am I just watching a bunch of old people <laughs> that I guess I'm supposed to know who they are and care about yeah. talk to each other and have fights about unions and occasionally <laughs> someone gets shot and it's kind of yeah. cute? Yeah. Why do I care about that? Like, because right. it's cinema. What does that mean to me? Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. And then, um, I mean, it really does. I, w I would say from a viewer's perspective, like a moviegoer's perspective, like, and really when you really think about like how do you ingest I know this is a bigger general thing to say, but oh. like, like, how do you ingest the world, right? Mm. And so, like, yeah. a lot of people and in don't ingest the world from a reality basis. I'm just trying to be honest here. Like, yeah. not a lot of people follow politics. Not a lot of people follow the big headlines about like mass shootings and like, yeah, union busting and all these other big era things going on now. And so, for them, seeing a movie about that type of stuff where there's guns and there's blood and there's and there's drama in it yeah they're like oh these are some of the best movies i've seen mm -hmm. where me i've watched and read that stuff and i need a break yeah i need something that is visually that is going to tell me that same story uh and narrative yeah with capes unfortunately like mm -hmm. that's just what it is I yeah mean, because those are the same narratives these narratives at least that scorsese brings up in these movies that he brought up those same narratives live in superhero movies they're just not as well they're not as complex in a lot of ways. Yeah. They just Maybe not as apparently complex, yeah. because before we jumped on the mic, the microphone, not you, Mike. <laughs> um, that was another time. Yeah, that's right. Not his boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> before yeah. we jumped on the mic, we were talking about how you, Matthew, in talking to him about Black Panther, it helped him see uh, some of the relevant uh, issues that were brought out in that film. Something that uh, means a lot, I think, as far as representation to a large demographic that the movie is obviously geared towards. Yeah. So, in a lot of ways, 
the importance of Black Panther is not necessarily in the screenplay or in the you know the the yeah, kind of showy fights on the train that right. kind of thing, but it's what it represents. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of cases, we look to cinema to give us those grand themes and meta narratives. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah, so you can't judge a movie by its poster, essentially. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think those are all valid points. I think um, where Mr. Scorsese is coming from. And he admits to his own bias. He said, you know, when I was a kid growing up, he grew up I in the didn't, Hitchcock era. Yeah, I grew up in the up, Hitchcock yeah. era. I grew up, you know, where that w- he was considered our Marvel movies. You know, when yeah. we went to go see Rear Window, that was our big event. When we went to go see Psycho, that was our big event. Right. Except, you know, people go back to those movies. And is it because, you know, of the spectacle of it or the character? No, it's because of sort of the emotional impact that it leaves yeah. on you. And his point is is that movies have that emotional impact. They are diverse. They are challenging. They can move you in a profound way where perhaps something like a Marvel movie can't. Like, yes, it can touch on things like Black Panther can, but can it be as effective as... You know, something like um, any of the Spike Lee movies that have been made over the past 20 years. Or can it be as effective as, um, uh, what was the thing? There was one about corporate America that was made. uh, Sorry to bother you. Sorry to bother you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that was stunning. And maybe it can be. But the thing is, is that cinema constantly evolves and it changes. And Marvel is sort of the final step of that evolution in terms of movies being seen in cinemas. Now, it's perfectly fine to see Marvel films. Do I what would I compare them um as obtusely to theme parks? No, I don't think so. You know, I don't I think there are some messages in those films that go beyond the uh idea of oh it's just a theme park ride, you know, yeah. go to the Captain America roller coaster or whatever. But the the, the the thing is and the thing that saddens him that he even admits he's like, look Movies are going through the the, the, mo- the largest tectonic shift since uh, we have had sound in film, where everything is now going to a streaming service. And even about, he yeah. had to make The Irishman on a streaming service. Like, yes, it, w- it was seen in theaters, but any filmmaker wants all their movies to be seen in theaters. But those movies can't, you know, re- really, as an artist, it's... It, it, it's a battlefield out there more than ever for your film to be seen in the cinema like any director would want it to be seen because people could just see it at home on video. Yeah. And for the purists out there, that's something that can be absolutely uh, uh, infuriating. I, I would say from why it would be infuriating, yeah. and it's coming from a social media standpoint for me, just yeah. watching the way media and content is delivered now yeah just how it changes people's aspects of like value i don't know yeah like like people who like there used to be a big deal about your movie like going into a theater and like it was a big deal to to go to a theater and see a movie but like the irishman is a very good movie on Netflix. like it's a exactly on netflix i can see it on netflix yeah there have been uh was it uh beast of no nation with idris Mm -hmm. alba that Mm -hmm. movie released on netflix that's a really good movie these are but like but because of access and things like that so i think i think he misses that golden era of everyone like waiting on a film yeah and then going to the theater. It's his nostalgia. It's the nostalgia, like why, I think. Like yeah. how we have nostalgia. Like how yeah. Disney Plus is so big now because 
there are men in their thirties like you and I. On nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I would say that is it's what is corrupting for Hollywood it. the most. I think, especially us thirty somethings, thirty five, because they're now yeah. they're like seeing like you guys just want all the stuff you used to watch as a kid, and they're like, yeah. okay, boom, and they're doing that exactly. and not giving us a lot of original IPs. So I don't, I don't, and and for me, I'm, I, I've been, I was just talking to someone the other day, like. I'm, I really don't want any more reboots, man. Can I just... Yeah. <laughs> can you... Well, luckily, Charlie's Angels bombed. And no, it wasn't because <laughs> of just woman, okay? Hey, Jesus Christ. Everyone wants to rant about that. Ooh, like when Elizabeth Banks ranted about that. But that's a whole other issue. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, I think certain reboots are biting the dust. I think even now, after Avengers Endgame has come out... You know, people said, okay, we got our big climax. I mean, they popped the top off of superhero movies. With yeah, them. like that That movie was the, the, you know, it was the money shot. Uh, yeah. You know, with the, everyone coming through the portals and all that. Now, um, no pun intended. And, um, <laughs> it, I mean, I just saw the trailer for Black Widow. And I just and I I love superhero movies, but I was just like, yikes! Uh, I don't I care. Just, you know, I still yeah. need another. I didn't even like watch nine it. months. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing that interested me about that trailer was. Florence Pugh, who I like, she was in uh, Midsummer and yeah. Uh, yeah. Fighting with My Family, which that that was a movie that I think was criminally underseen from earlier this year. Yeah, it's but it's like a family wrestling comedy, so it's kind of a hard sell. Yeah, oh, yeah you know. Yeah. But uh, and also, I like that the second half of that trailer just becomes this ridiculous sort of comic book spy movie because. Mm initially you could play you know tough guy movie bingo with all the horrible lines like i've got to go back to face my past and like this isn't gonna end well you know this is like this is not going to go yeah. the way you think right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> long time no see sis oh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> but you know and i'll see it i'll watch it with great interest but you know the point about nostalgia and avengers endgame sort of being in the camper on it that movie is an act of nostalgia yeah. It ends with this weird, like, 3D yearbook photo thing of all the <laughs> actors signing their names, kind of like the way they ended Star and Trek like 20 years ago. Yeah, it's right. Bad. It's not wow. enough to allow the audience to just say, I am witnessing something special, and, and it's the culmination own. of 11 years. Mm. We have to tell you that you're seeing yeah, that. And let their own <laughs> mind, like, like, man, I've been, like, because... That was the thing. I I watched the end of that movie. I got up and left, and I'm just like talking my girlfriend's ear off at the time. Uh, and then and then uh, we're talking, and I was like, man, I just realized like I've been watching these movies for ten years, and like in my own mind, I was be able to do that because that is that emotional thing. I think that's that emotional thing that Scorsese was talking about. Yeah, because they are just. Here it is. Like you don't have to remember it. We're gonna remember it for you and yeah. put it right in front of you. And also, you're being, as he, as he wrote, he you're being fed the same fed, thing yep. for years and years. I mean, since the I think uh, the, the 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 overlying issue that Scorsese's painting is ever since the '80s or ever since post Star Wars. You know, it, Star Wars wasn't intended to change the industry, but it did. No, you know, uh, along with Jaws. Uh, and Spielberg, and they found the secret formula to what audiences want, which is escapism, which is fantasy. And what yeah. happened Real is, sucks. yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And what happened from there, and that's exactly it. the real world sucks. I don't want to be reminded of it. You know, uh, do I want to go see Meet John Doe about a guy who? You know, uh, that talks uh, who who fakes his own suicide through a letter or someone or or a publishing company who does, and then you know, never mind. It's an old Frank Frank Capra picture. Yeah. Um, but anyways, <laughs> uh, 
essentially, people don't want to see you know something s- sad. They want to yeah, nobody. See everybody doesn't want to see fifty fifty. Yeah, uh, like we want <laughs> escapism. So they've been yeah. working at that through the eighties. And to toot my own horn a little bit, I've been logging these Roger Ebert tapes. Uh, you know, of all these sort of single reviews that he did for uh, Eyewitness News, and I noticed a pattern where in the eighties, like the movies were different. They they were their standalone films. They all kind of followed. They tried to find a formula, whereas whether it's the bachelor party movie or it's the action movie or it's the whatever. And then as we got through the nineties, they started doing the sequels. And then in the you know two thousands, they it was all sequels, now, and all w- comic books, I and will, all property. But I will say this, and I think this is the thing that. Scorsese misses on the issue of comic book movies. Like, there was a time where there's a very large fan base of people who read comic books, and we yeah. all were like, man, it'd be so cool to see these oh, yeah. books as our as a movie. And then when we got those movies at the time, was like, we did not want that. Like, these are the worst <laughs> yeah. things. Like, that in, that first Hulk movie with Eric Banner's boo-boo, like, that's so... And I liked that movie, but I, liked, I understand why I, I people was, didn't. I, I, completely I was understand. a big fan of Van Lee's I liked, yeah. I liked, I did like the way it was uh, stylistically, because it felt like a comic book, the way that, you know, the movie was shot. Uh, but I didn't, like, I was like, this is not... That's not the and, whole. And then, yeah, it's not some the, weird introspective yeah. And then drama. looking back at, like, Spider-Man and going, I liked that, like, but, like, I understand why I liked it, because it was, like, the first interpretation of the comic book character, like that, yeah. that could stand alone. That could stand. Everything else. Was it was. It like, was. A, it was actually about Spider-Man and about yeah, his problems. Yeah. I still like. So the there, first there was two Sam Raimi's yeah. were in the other ones. So there was a need. So yeah. they were like, they, we were all like, these are the stories we want to see. And then as we got older, yeah, uh, an unprecedented thing happened with Kevin Feige. He said, I'm going to create an entire universe based around this in movie, and that and Disney bought it. And <laughs> but but the thing was that. It was a 10-year plan, always planned for this. And we were like, how is that even going to work? Yeah. Like, you know, how are you? It's, it's one thing to have Star Wars, three movies, and then have an entire universe created and properties and story on story yeah. and story. Where, also sold to Disney. Because they were like, yeah. But <laughs> also, but like, that was, that was kind of like mishap. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. this was the plan with Marvel the entire time. It's like, we're going to create this universe of characters. You're going to watch all these. It's like... It's like he took the idea of boyhood <laughs> and was like, <laughs> what if we did it over real But it's about superheroes. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and, you know, that is, that's unprecedented. And that, yeah. and I'm, I'm saying it's setting a new, it, setting that new precedent is going to make yeah. people make a lot of really bad movies. Hello, DC. You know what I'm saying? Like, but. People try to copy what's popular. Yeah. yeah. DC tried to copy what Nolan did with the Batman films. Yeah. And sorry, Zach. You're you're just not Christopher Nolan. Because the worst part about, and I think maybe he might, because because those DC movies, yeah. like comic book readers don't even like them. They like because they don't even reflect comic books any. Like DC comics, and that's the other thing too. The other thing about comic books, as far as like Marvel and DC are concerned, sometimes yeah. the writing's actually really good. Sometimes yeah. mm-hmm. the comic books are graphic novels are worth oh, yeah. reading. Like uh, the Killing Joke, for instance. The Killing Joke. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot That's of Frank a, Miller's comics were really good to read. Yeah, like Watchmen, of course. Yep. I mean, there's pole. a reason that the medium has been around for you know, yeah, eighty yeah. years. Yeah, it's not just kitty stories. You know, it's not just Archie or whatever. Yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 
evolved into something more than capes and but but obviously yeah the corporate world can like can see what comics can do and Mm -hmm. corporate film saw what the money they could make so yeah well and and there's this idea of uh, corporate film as if it's a bad thing right i think in a lot of cases it can be but in the case of marvel one of the things that feige has figured out is giving the and i guess this goes to disney to a certain extent as we're seeing with shows like the mandalorian if you've got really passionate talented creators and you just kind of leave them the hell alone then they can make really spectacular things that people are going to come out and see and then they're going to see the next one and the next one yep now as far as the you know early 2000s late 90s attempt at comic books movies uh dc kind of went through that when they were trying to catch up with Marvel. Yeah. Now, the movies are awful, but I can't necessarily fault them for that because they are just, they were just their learning. business. They're trying, mm-hmm. to, they're trying to follow a formula. They went yeah. a little yep. bit too fast. But I think now that we're seeing this course correction, like we saw yeah. with Shazam, like we saw with Aquaman, arguably. Joker. Uh, I wouldn't put... No. Joker's more of a standalone. I, I know, but that, but that was great because that, that one really kind of felt a little more like cinema. Yeah, arguably, yes. I I can get there with you that. I I think a lot of that, ironically, has to do with Scorsese, who was... Exactly. He was attached, and then he wanted to do uh, uh, Irish reading. He was too busy, so he had to drop out. Right, but that movie is, and one of my issues with it is, it is literally like two or three Scorsese movies mashed together with a comic book IP plastered on top. <laughs> I'm, I'm There's no reason that, that that guy has to be the Joker. Yep. Yeah, um, I'm but fine I with agree it. with that 100%. <laughs> but, I mean, what I'm trying to say is, yeah, Joker is, that's, the formula keeps getting tweaked along the way as we have the successes and failures. DC, let me amend my statement, yeah. was getting back on track with movies like Shazam and Wonder Woman and Aquaman. Yeah. So you could see in five, ten years' time, they might try Justice League again and be mm-hmm. really successful because they're figuring out, oh, we can't just want to be like Marvel. We have yep. to study what they're doing and, and figure out how to lay these movies out and really attract fans and not give them what they don't want, which yeah. is Zack Snyder making Superman into a, a murderous asshole. Yes. <laughs> uh, but with, with the Joker, yeah. now that's a very interesting contemporary rub because yeah. if they take the wrong lessons from that and say, okay, uh, now we're just going to make a bunch of standalone su- you know, superhero movies, but we're going to turn Gal Gadot's... Pros- she's going to become yeah. a prostitute no, don't after do that. Wonder Woman don't 1984. Do that. No. You know, the, that kind of a thing. We're going to do a, <laughs> don't, a don't young do adult Don't do the dark version. gritty again. You know, we did that. Or, we, they tried yeah. that already. Right. You so know. it'll be interesting to see how they meld these two ideas. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like the DC Comics did. They've got all their different continuities, but then they've got their standalones. They're, yeah. Um, you know, I can't remember. The Elseworlds stories. Elseworlds That's stories. That's kind of what yeah. uh, Joker was. The Flash. Mm-hmm point stories and 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 that's what they did it's the same thing dc's ip they they yeah. use flashpoint and then you got dc 52 and they kind of they they shifted the narrative of a lot of their characters superman became more of a uh real world figure there was a moment where he was just wearing he was wearing a t-shirt like he couldn't fly and all these other things mm. so he's like <laughs> this real world superhero yeah. they were, which is a weird phrase to me it's always a real phrase that people want real world superheroes but like yeah. whatever but um, and then Batman had like this armored suit he was wearing. It's it it, it is important <laughs> to uh, understand that like there is a complexity to comic books and comic book writing. Yeah, and that is what we want on screen. Yeah, and that's probably why Joker appealed to so many people because it felt the comic book comic readers saw that and were like, "Yo, 
that's what I was felt when I was reading yeah. it. That's what I felt when I was reading it. So that I think Joker kind of hits a certain nerve with people these days yeah. where we are so divided and so oppressed and the working class compared to the middle class is yeah. you know, it's like the, it's tackling themes that yeah, maybe this is uh like baby does his first taxi driver. Yeah. But still <laughs> it 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 resonates profoundly yes. beyond oh this is cool captain america's in this one yeah you know this uh, and what 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 uh i guess what i'm really driving at is yes comic books are a serious we could now consider it a serious medium of arts comics and comic books but are they as serious as let's say a novel or something like that you know could you read arthur c clark's 2001 space odyssey and see the movie and they go Oh, well, that's the same level as Joker or the Dark Knight or Logan, you know. I mean, we get into trouble yeah. when we keep about trying to compare things, right? Art. Exactly, yeah. right. I mean, you look at yeah. something, if you go back there to the early go. 90s, um, it, like the, the Eisner Awards, yeah. um, you know, for kind of serious, elevated comic book material, like the Oscars of comics. Yeah. And then you've got something like Jeff Smith's Bone, which came out, I think that won an Eisner yeah. um, at one point. And you look at quote-unquote serious comics right and then yeah. you look at bone which is like this it looks like it's came out of the sunday comics like w what yeah. is this doing going up for any kind of prestige well, it doesn't pages. matter what it looks like or even <laughs> yeah. how it plays out it's you know what is the artistic integrity yeah. what is the can you see the motivation and the care that goes into the material i think that's yeah. that's kind of the dividing line yeah yeah because at one at some point i think it just becomes a point of preference yeah, yeah. like because if i if if you told me to name you know my my favorite five movies like yeah. right now they're not Marvel movies. I I love Marvel movies, but it wouldn't be like oh my favorite top five movies are Infinity War and Game Black. No, I'd be like it'd be something else. Yeah. It'd be it would be Sorry to Bother You because I really really it's like that very movie. good movie. I, yeah. Um, it would and it would be some some combination of Tarantino and yeah, like and, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, Pulp, yeah. yeah. So does it hold? And because the thing is, like, Marvel movies and fantasy movies, they have that, how much do I need to escape is the yeah. question. And then I guess Scorsese's vibe, like, Lane, is like, how much do I need the film to mean something to me? Yeah. And I'm, I'm wondering now, though, for, for artists, are, is there a way for them to really make a career for themselves as, as a true voice if they're not attached to a franchise? You know, can they, can they, because Christopher Nolan is probably the only filmmaker I could think of who can make millions just on his name and create whatever film he wants. Like, everyone's thrilled about Tenant. Why? Do, do people know what Tenant is? No, then we don't know what, uh, anything about it. We know there's, there's a trailer you could only see in the theater. <laughs> we know that maybe it's a little longer, but but his name's attached to it. But how did he get there? It wasn't because he directed Men Memento. I mean, partially it was. Memento. Yeah, but it was because he did Batman Begins. Batman Begins, Dark Knight. Yeah, so it's like no matter what, you always have to direct a comic book film. You And, and then maybe that's just the nature of the industry. I mean, I think he got that because of the how well it was made. I mean, like yeah. when we really look Very at it, like, it's, yeah. it's just like I remember I don't I remember looking at the Dark Knight going. This doesn't feel like a comic book. It feels like a movie. It, it feels, feels like, like an adventure right. about a man. Mm -hmm. like and really I and it. I and no point to go. Oh, this is right from a comic book or like a storyboard I've seen. Yeah, and he, it's still really good. Like and yeah, it, and I'm 
you know, I'm Marvel over DC all day. Sorry to hurt anybody's feelings that hears this. <laughs> I, I don't but, care uh, about either one, you know. No, but no, yeah. I care about both because uh, yeah. I grew because that's kind of my narrative and my messaging and how yeah. I grew up interpreting the world because the real world again it is a piece of shit. <laughs> so yeah. it made it well. It makes it easier to digest. That's I true. think that's one of the biggest things about like serious comic books and like you know fan uh, fantasy yeah. stuff. It makes it easier to digest more complex issues because yeah. complex issues are miserable and sometimes yeah. really fucking boring. Yeah. Sorry. And, and yeah, you need to bad. you need to spice it up a bit. I mean, uh, the reason something like the uh, Batman Begins the Dark Knight worked was because Nolan knows how to direct things that are serious within a contextual manner that is gritty and realistic and relatable. When Zack Snyder tried to do Watchmen, I don't think the problem with that movie was uh, David Hayter's script. I think it was just Zack Snyder's style because it, it just everything just came off as goofy in it. Yeah. You know, from his slow motion to his usage of popular music to I, his over-reliance on high contrast. It is one of the biggest things about his. I think most of his superhero movies suck. Because of the sound choices, there. Oh gosh, oh, those, and like I know that sounds weird. It's bombarded in the head with with a lead pipe constantly. Yes. he's so bombastic and over your head. Yeah. not where it's appropriate. Like Joker was bombastic, but it it, it kind of was meant to be because the Joker's head hurts, like yeah. literally from <laughs> yeah. mental illness. Here it's just Zack Snyder's like he he, he seems like. A little kid trying to write philosophy while smashing two action figures together. Yep. And that's what Watchmen felt like to me. Well, I, I need to go back and watch Watchmen. I'm probably going to do that next yeah. month. Um, I'll push back on that a little bit. Yeah. And it's been a while since I've seen it. But, I mean, there's two uh, music set sequences, I think, that in that movie that are just as vignettes are really well done. Mm -hmm. One is... Um, the times they are changing, the the kind of the, mm -hmm. the opening yeah, slow mo yeah, monologue. Yeah, he's like as as uh, uh, Matt Fagerholm told me, like he's like the Saul Bass of opening credits when hmm. it comes to movies. Oh Zach yeah, Snyder is like yeah. he's brilliant at it. And the and creation uh, of Doctor Manhattan with Philip Glass's piece is really good. That was good. And also yeah. uh, when they're towards the climax, when they're in the the Arctic or whatever, and they're playing, mm. I think all along the Watchtower. I think that uh, was no, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> what I think that was uh, that, that, that was, was a really nice piece. <laughs> well, we got taste. play nice in the sandbox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, just just what I heard it. I'm like, okay, we get the arrow. Let's in. Uh, yeah. But uh, oh, that's okay. just me, you know. Uh, uh, let's all go fist fight now. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking disagree. With me. But I. But I mean. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think that. But I do believe that Martin Scorsese is aware of his. I'm not necessarily outdated, but he's aware of like. He knows know, he's out of his yeah, lane. He knows, yeah. like, yeah. And it really does feel like he was just like, I have a thing coming out. Everybody pay attention. What can I say? Yeah. And, and, yeah, I mean, I, I said that partially seriously and partially in jest yeah, because yeah. it seems like every time an actor comes out and says something controversial or stupid or both, yeah, yeah. all you have to do is look at, you know, Rotten Tomatoes coming next week and see if their <laughs> name is attached to it. Um, but as far as Scorsese, yeah. I, I understand where he's coming from. I think he's perhaps inartfully expressing something that 
you know, I don't know if it's a boomer thing or if it's <laughs> yeah. or, or if yeah. it's a Gen X thing or, or just, you know, you guys are younger. So you're sort of riding this changing tide of media yeah. more than some of us older guys. But it is we are in the middle of a seismic shift, shift in the way that yep. we consume mm -hmm. content, the way content consumes us. So we might look back on Scorsese's point a few years from now and be like, well, he was really right. Yeah. Because one yeah. of the things you can look at as far as the roller coaster ride it's not exactly the fit metaphor, but if you miss, if you don't, w let me take you back to where I took my mom to see Captain America: Civil War. <laughs> she had not seen the previous five Marvel movies, yeah. So I and uh, she told me this as we were standing at the ticket counter. She's like, "Oh, let's go see Captain America." I'm like, "Okay, cool. Let's. I, I want to see that." And she's like, "She. We see the giant standee with all the characters on it." Mm -hmm. She's like, "Wait, who are? Who's that? Who's who's that? Who's that?" I'm like, "You've seen the other movies, right?" She, I haven't seen them since like Thor two or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I had to take fifteen minutes to explain who all these people are and what they mean to each other. So if you sit out any number of these movies, you're going to be completely lost yeah. in the narrative of the most recent one potentially. And I think mm. that's sort of where it gets into this isn't standalone cinema, sort of like we were right. talking about with like mm -hmm. the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Yeah. This is something that's meant to be consumed with other products. Yeah. So it's like this is this is new Coke. Well, what's Coke? Did you drink the old Coke? No. Mm -hmm. So I have no frame of reference yeah, kind yeah, of a thing. Collect right? all the Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. In order for it to make sense, and so it doesn't really stand alone. Scorsese isn't like a sequel guy, mm -hmm. uh, even though he's been making arguably the same movie for the last 30 years and Whoops. just sort of tweaking yeah. the themes, which I have no problem with because we're kind of seeing that in Marvel right now. Yeah. He has it's been making a lot of other type of movies, though, in between that don't get as much recognition. Sure, know? but I mean. I'm the example I want to use is when Doctor Strange came out, one of yeah. the big complaints was, oh, this is just Iron Man it's again. It's magic Iron Man. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you know, Stephen Strange is a different personality type yeah. than Tony Stark in some very specific and important ways that yeah. feed into his journey as a character. So you can't just write it off. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's fine. I'll spend three hours exploring two new ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And... Um, I don't know. I, I guess with you all you were going to say something. I think you were trying oh. to get to your mom. I thought you were talking about your oh, mom. Oh no, that was, that was that was the whole point. Oh, um, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, was, I was like, oh yeah, she, she was. Didn't you know, she's yeah. obviously older than me. I would yeah. hope, but uh, <laughs> but it's just sort of this generational thing of not quite understanding what movies are anymore yeah. in terms of, like the big popular yeah. movies because everything's franchised and everything's connected. To just touch back on a point you said of like, can you name another director who? Uh, can make their own kind of movies outside of this comic book yeah. ecosystem. I'm going to give an imperfect example that would have really been solid up until last year, and that's James Wan, who, of course, did mm -hmm. Aquaman. Before mm -hmm. that, he was doing genre pictures and yeah. different kinds of genre pictures. You know, yeah. Saw and then, you know, Fast and the Furious mm -hmm. and, you know, the, the, what's it, the Annabelle or the Annabelle creation. Or what was that? Which one of those uh, was the movie's franchise that started that all? Uh, I think Annabelle. I don't. I don't know. It's I've never like, seen them. To oh, be honest, so. yeah. It's like yeah. insidious, uh, haunting. Yeah. That that we have all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I, I guess this. Uh, I would just say one last thing yeah. for me about it is that the thing that Kevin Feige created with Marvel, which is super cool, which I've realized it now, is a monumental achievement. It is we a monumental to achievement. That. It is. Maybe it is. It isn't cinema, but it is a living comic book. Like mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Over the ten year course, like if you sat down and watched the Infinity Saga, it's a living comic book. Like it's literally flipping pages. And for yeah. me as a comic book reader, I was just like it really hits me. It's like I don't I've 
I got what I wanted. Like you yeah. gave me what I thought could never be done, which is as a movie goer for me, that's how I feel. Yeah. And I would lean more towards Marvel, but not like mad at Martin Scorsese and his opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I, if, if there's anyone who we think is maybe overstepping their bounds with their opinion, it was Francis Ford Coppola yeah. who called it a disgrace or whatever. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and Francis Ford Coppola, I absolutely respect what he contributed to cinema. He made the first two Godfather movies. He made <laughs> Apocalypse Now. And, yeah, we know he made the third one. Um, and um, he will not ever let you forget that he made those. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, it's a hell of a calling card. But, yeah, you know, one of the things that uh, occurred to me while you were talking, and I had a half-formed version of this a few yeah. weeks ago when I heard about it, but I think you've really solidified it, is, you know, m- cinema, movies are an ecosystem. Yeah. Martin Scorsese utilizes technology in the Irishman to de-age his characters throughout various different Marvel, yeah. huh? which was used in Marvel. Yeah, yeah I would say per- perfected or at least gotten closer to perfect over the course of several Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. You look at some of the earlier stuff and it's kind of uh, dodgy, yeah, yeah, yeah. but now, I mean if you look at early Kurt Russell or young Kurt Russell in Guardians Volume yeah. 2, uh-huh. um, you know, part of that is the way that it's filmed so you're not like right up on him necessarily all the time. It yeah. looks really convincing. So now you can take that and you can make Robert De Niro look like he's 17. Yeah. Whereas if in the absence of that, you would have had really horrible makeup or, and here's where I'm kind of on the fence because I'm more proponent of what I'm about to say, uh. hire actors who look younger and yeah. act like, where's the young Robert De Niro? Get him in there to play young Robert Do De Niro. Do what they did with Dr. Sleep where they just recast him. Right. Yeah. 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 And that, that was one of the only things I liked about that movie was it was refreshing. Like, I'm not looking at just, you know, de-aged Jack Danny Nicholson Lloyd or spoiler. de-aged. Yeah. Yeah. Damn right. It. Wasn't that the whole thing about Benjamin Button? Like, Brad Pitt's whole, that was like the whole, like, oh, look at yeah. that. Oh, yeah. That was like one of the big de-aging films. I yeah. think. Or did they de-age him? Or no, he was old-aged. That they, was like makeup no. with CG. There, well, he was born he was old, so he was like a little infant, wrinkly yeah. old man. Yeah, yeah. That and didn't then as he me. got younger, they did make him look older because Brad Pitt was like older when that came yeah. out. Yeah. He wasn't like a young man. He wasn't yeah. like 18 or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, Scorsese may be, bitter is the wrong word, but it's the one I'll use because in the environment where everything is comic books and sequels yeah. and big franchises and popcorn, it is harder to get a movie like Irishman made and put into theaters. Yeah. But there's also the other argument, which is it's freaking Martin Scorsese. Yeah. If he wanted to, he could take his couch change and make the Irishman and go to Fox or whoever and say, I've just made you a $50 million crime epic or $100 million out of my back pocket. You distribute this, give me 10% of the box office, and we'll call it a day. It's a little bit unnerving when I hear these you know, established decades-old giants who could retire half the country on their the yeah. interest that they're making, yes. complaining about the state of the industry. Like, yeah. no one wants to go see the movies anymore, and I can't get anything made. And like, you can get something made. Yeah, just <laughs> use your own money, man. You, yeah, right. You'll be fine. And I understand there's a whole business argument, like, was it the Joker said in The Dark Knight? Yeah. He's like... What never do yourself for free? What someone yeah. else will pay you for? Kind of a thing. If you're good at something, never do it for free. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I get that, but it's just when Scorsese says these things, it opens up a whole can of worms to think yeah. about. It's not yeah. s- as simple as like, oh, I think it's cinema. It's like, what does this actually mean? What are you saying? He's yeah. a he's a big he's a big think kind of guy. I think, and yeah. that's probably what makes him so good at filmmaking. Yeah. But like, yeah. I, what do you think, Mike? What is where do you lean on all well, of this? Well, well. Uh, 
I think <laughs> that he does have somewhat of a point, which is we are being fed the same thing all the time. And while he can fund his own movies, maybe people like Greta Gerwig can't fund her own movies, although she does have a lot of money still. Uh, and there are various other filmmakers who can't fund their own movie and various filmmakers who will never be recognized because unless they jump on not the Marvel, just any franchise train, they won't get anywhere. But at the end of the day, we might be crying over spilt milk because this is the way the industry goes. It's film business. And with film business... You, you you have to play the game. You have to make money. And it is tragic the way it's moving. Everything is becoming less individualized, more and more so as we get older. And I'm worried that the theaters will become corporate-owned. We will have Disney theaters. You know, we mm. will have Paramount theaters. Interesting. You know, we will have things. Well, they, I don't they, think they, we'll that's have that. A, that would be a return to form. There used to be Paramount theaters. Now, there True. you go. Yeah. It would be, but uh, but I think it will mostly be Disney theaters. You're, you you're know? saying, like, and to only show their property yeah. in those theaters, yeah. Because what what's happening is that we are, there used to be a no-monopoly rule in Hollywood. That was called no monopoly. <laughs> but in the and age now, of the internet, it's almost. I mean, it's. But so, now you like, can't. How can yeah. you govern monop- monopolizing that? But now you can't do it. So now everything is owned by Disney. Disney is a product of our lives, and I can't hate Disney. If I was a businessman, I would get power hungry too, and maybe do it myself. I mean, I know Disney is entrapped in our minds because my two-year-old nephew. He saw Toy Story as a kid, right? And he saw my little Woody doll uh, that I had that I bought as an adult. And um, he, I have to buy him Buzz, or I already bought him Buzz and Woody for Christmas. Hopefully he's not listening, but he won't understand what I'm saying, so whatever. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he, he'll run up to my room and go, Woody, Woody, you know, when I go see my folks. And he'll go, Woody. He'll grab the thing that says he can't pronounce D's. He pronounces it Wooly. And he'll grab the toy. He wants to watch Toy Story. And the doctor has told my sister, don't let him watch TV. But you can't make him not do that. And now Disney's in his head. And his dad loves Star Wars. His dad loves the Avengers. And that's stuck in his head. So I but think that's that's not anything different, really, because when but we used I was to see different kinds of movies all the time, you know, if I was growing up and I wasn't introduced to Space Odyssey as a 13 year old kid through my grandparents, I would have never ventured out and gone to see different types of films or challenged myself and, and maybe made myself uncomfortable on purpose to see what else is out there. Well, I, I, it sounds like we're having two different discussions. Because yeah. you're talking about your two-year-old getting all excited about Toy Story. Yeah, but now it's the like movie and, stuck and in his head. Woody and action figure is indoctrinating like all of society, it seems. Right, but, but I mean, but but he, the, you can't be mad at him for liking Toy Story. No, I love. <laughs> I was five years or ten years old when it came out. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, my, my point is, yeah. is that the 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 
entwining of product and popular entertainment is an old concept, going back yeah. to Star Wars at least. Yeah. You know, you had all the action figures, you had He-Man, you had Transformers. Yeah. You know, I just watched a Netflix eh, documentary, one of the toys that the made toys us that made about, us. I about love that show, yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm -hmm. uh, bit of trivia, Chuck Lorre, who created Big Bang Theory and, and all those other wonderful else. sitcoms. Yeah, uh, he was the writer and one of the performers on the Ninja Turtles yes, theme song. Yes, he was. Wow. He, wow. He, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Because yeah. I looked, because I, I was watching, uh, this is Offset, uh, but I was watching Grace Under Fire. I don't uh -huh. know. It was like old on TV. And I was like, Chuck With Lord. Brett Butler? He, no, great, uh, is it Grace Under Fire? Yeah, it's Grace Under Fire. It's uh, like a TV sitcom. Is, yeah. Is it, is, yeah, I, yeah, th yeah. I thought that was Brett Butler. No, it was, it was created by Chuck Lord. No, I mean the, the actress. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 mm -hmm. yeah. And it was created by him. And I was just like, what? what? And I was like, <laughs> what? And then I saw it in Bing Bang Theory, and I saw it in Two and a Half Men, and I just kept, I was like, I have been seeing this man's name everywhere. And I was yeah. like, man. And then when I went to look that up, he had his hand in Teenage TMT. And I was like, what kind of, how could, <laughs> yeah. what, how, well, it's just how like, could uh, one person have that type of career? Yeah, it's, you know, it's true. We, we all have grown up with something that we're nostalgic towards and i think yeah and i would say to the merchandising part of because yeah. it really is just about the merchandising that kind of like furthers really, yeah. certain people's like uh that indoctrination towards a property because i did see the first toy story it did not hit me like that i was just like oh this is a nice movie it was cute and now i went and saw oh, it I, and bought them. I moved on i um, bought the toys when toy story yeah. 3 came yeah. out yeah. <laughs> i didn't it didn't hit me the same way because I I never really, like, toys Toys didn't have that connection to me. It's just like yeah. comic books had that connection to me. If toys had yeah. that type of life with you, that story connects. And it, yeah. and that, that talks to the story of the show, yeah. of, of these movies, I just I, I, I guess my point is, is artists is tougher to get your work out there more than ever today. Because, like, if we remember the 90s, you, you could enter your work to a film festival, and then you could become a... Quentin Tarantino, which if you've ever seen the movie he submitted, was a Sundance or can, but his short version of Reservoir Dogs, whew, it's <laughs> not good. Can you find this online? I think so. Yeah, you can find I it. Got, it I got, it's I got my homework. It's, it's oh, like, really? It's like literally just like him holding a video. It's just like a video camera on a tripod. And then it's just him and Steve Buscemi just yelling lines at each other. <laughs> and, like, that's the movie. And then he became a legend. That is... Well, like, we can't, we can't have that anymore. Well, obviously. sure. I mean, sure you can. Because it is easier than ever for people to get their content out there. Yeah. And to make it. I mean, you might have to... Just, is... But just like Kevin Smith and Tarantino, you got to scrape together, you know, work some shitty jobs and scrape yeah. together your money. But you can put stuff out there. The problem now is oversaturation because exactly. you're now... It's just like yeah. Netflix. Like... There's, you know, these these three big prestige Irishmen, Dolomite is my name, Marriage yeah. Story, Ooh, these movies Dolomite that are like awards name. contenders. So um, yeah, I love that movie. It's so good. Uh, but they're also coming out on a platform that has like 60 new movies and TV yeah. shows every week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're getting drowned out. So yeah. I understand it's harder to get the big paycheck. I think those yeah. are going away. I We're think, seeing that yeah. all, all, the, all over the place. Yeah. But as far as the ease of producing content and producing high quality content well, look what we're doing right now we're yeah. sitting in a bar with a professional audio setup this was yeah. inconceivable 15 years ago yeah um yeah so it's 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 constantly evolving but as it evolves it gets tougher i agree for the independence to break through but not yeah. to produce right and i would say to that which is my counterpoint always as far as like this big thing thing 
around cinema, around media as a whole. It's like it's the focus should be on quality. The focus yeah. should be quality acting, quality writing, quality directing, and, yeah. and making sure that what we create and what we deliver is good because we can't we don't turn away from something that's really good. Like yeah. Dolomite is my name came out. I've watched it six times. Damn. <laughs> I still it's, haven't gotten through it. It's Oh, oh really? Finish okay. it. Eh, yeah. I was kind of. I don't know if I'm the target audience. It <laughs> is. It is. Dolomite is my name. You don't like good movies. No. I'll tell you this right now. No. Dolom. <laughs> Dolomite is my name. Is the disaster artist, but you, like Rudy is like yeah. a nice guy. Like, uh, Tommy was a piece of shit, and yeah. Rudy is so. He, I just one of the most touching stories, and uh, I, I can't believe that that is true. I still like. I still. That love, was a I true love, story. It's a look, okay. Now I'll go. He see He tells that. That's exactly what he says. Okay. And, like he met a homeless man. Like it just. It's still. You know, and that's it the thing. Still blows my mind. I had that weird reaction watching Dolomite is my name. I, I love Craig Brewer first of all, um, but watching it, I was like, I wish that this that I'd been able to see this on the big screen because it played some festivals, but it went straight to Netflix pretty much. Yeah. I'm like. This should have been a big event movie from like 15 years ago yep. where it gets buzz and everyone goes to see it. It becomes a theatrical blockbuster. Now it's on Netflix and everyone has the potential to see it. But again, it's getting drowned out by everything else. It's yep. like you have a cover story about Eddie Murphy's comeback that's news for like a long weekend. And then it's forgotten because now yeah. Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver are talking about marriage story. <laughs> yeah. And Scar Scarlett Johansson says some dumb shit again or something. You know? just, yeah. Yeah. But uh, on that note, one thing I always wanted to talk about. I know we're going a little long here, but this it's is always, all right. This is always I'm having fun. Good. Yeah. Getting uh, drunk on coffee. <laughs> <laughs> getting drunk on coffee. Or Guinness for me. But uh, what, having said all this, what, what, do, you, what do you think? Because um, Ian, uh, Ian is a verified press credentialed critic. Uh, Matt uh, is works at a comedy club, uh, but <laughs> I think your opinions are still valid. Thank you, um, thank you, Michael. Uh, yeah, Matt is sort of the the everyman, and I am not a press credentialed critic. I am a Yet. fraud. Um, no, but I'm kidding. I'm no, kidding. No, but what no, I'm what no. I'm saying is, I'm I'm trying to get there to get my credentials. So with these three different ends of the spectrum, what is it? That you, that everyone thinks, makes someone a critic because everyone hmm. these days on the internet has their own opinion. You know, they mm -hmm. they write their own review yeah. on IMDb or Letterboxd or Rotten Tomatoes or they you know they they'll write long Facebook, uh, you know, one thousand word rants about a movie. Then who's to say they are not any more qualified? than someone who is, you know, writing for RogerEbert.com or writing for the New York Times or Washington Post or whoever it may be. Well, well I think the critics should go first and then I'll <laughs> give my... Okay. Well, you want to go ahead before I go or should I go? I'll, well, I'll, I'll let you, you walk into the firing squad. This okay. is your show. So, <laughs> <laughs> I deflected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So who goes first? You talk first. I talk first. All right. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> you are a force to be reckoned with, yeah. and you have awakened. That's right. I'll freeze that damn laser. Uh, <laughs> so here's here's what I think, which is I think anyone can be a critic if 
they are open-minded enough to try to watch different things and challenge themselves. So, for example, if you like only a certain set of movies, like I only like Terminator 2, and I only like, and I'm, 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 I'm using my brother-in-law as an example, but he surprises me here. Uh, and, you, and you only like, uh, you know, Ghostbusters and all these nostalgic things from your era. And you only like Marvel and all this stuff. But then, you know, if someone says, hey, here's this weird art film. Or not even a weird art film. Here's a David Lynch film. You're going to go, I'm not going to see that. Here's an old film. I don't want to go see that. Right? Does that make that person a critic if they don't want to go out of their own comfort zone to see something? To me, I think you have to go out of that comfort zone and you have to see something that at least, even if you consider it to be unpleasant, fine. And also, if you can articulate that opinion, which I think most of the population can, I, I most think, people are not as stupid as we think they are. Yeah, I think you can step out of your comfort zone and check some things out, and yeah, you, you can but, see it. I but the, but the reason, yeah. but the reason it would be hard for me to step out of my comfort zone is because my comfort is in the objectivity. Yeah, like I. I can say that a Marvel movie was bad. Like, I don't have a problem. Like, I think a lot of times on YouTube, there are guys that are, like, big Marvel fans. and like, I thought this movie was great. And it's yeah. like, you thought. But if someone walked up to you and they Iron said. Man was good? Yeah. You thought that? You uh, I, said I that? The, I thought the third Iron Man was great. Really? Yeah, yes. it was okay. I thought it was all right. Yeah. I thought it was absolutely just all right. Mm. It, it, it didn't. I thought Iron Man 2 Iron Man Two is terrible. Yeah, yeah. Iron Man Two is. Mm, is mm. You can say it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it. That was that was Disney trying to figure out how to. Yeah, build that, was, that was an early. And what stone. and what I mean by critics like critiquing those type of things like that's what Fucking I'm saying. Critics, like, can yeah. you can you look at the thing you like? I think a great critic can look at something they like. They like I'm a fan of, but like objectively can say no this wasn't this right, this right. wasn't what not only what i desired it would be but like technically it was not good now i would say also can you technically talk about the film yeah because like i can't i don't know every bit of film lingo i need to know or like every role like i don't think you i need to know that one of my favorite things about get out is the the audio the way mm. the air in the room is taken out it has yeah. like and i know jordan peele's a big hitchcock era fan so like yeah all his like the scene where uh the guy's running up the way they're <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah and you're like oh shit <laughs> like and i just really i really appreciated uh the sound mixing and sound editing in that movie yeah. so it's like as long as as long as you can understand and that and that comes from me i was i wrote i've written music i have a I, I wrote a song that was like in a movie so like I performed. What, what movie? Uh, it's, oh, it's a shit movie. It's a. Uh, it's oh, okay. got uh, Iron Man three. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got a. Uh, it's a uh, Bruce Willis, Fifty Cent, and like Ryan Philippe. Philippe. I don't well, know that's a real wow. movie though. Yeah. yeah. It's and not like just some asshole student film. Sorry, no, no, film no. students. No, but uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, it, I know the like process and how to like, you know, write the song and what it needs to sound like. It so, was yeah, in so, the movie. Yeah. It's Holy in the movie. shit! Yeah, you that's can great. Google it. It's called Setup. You can go Setup. Google it. I'm credited on IMDb as the, ri- the writer of the song. So yeah. Uh but it is but it, it 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 and get out the sound it really I was just like man this is so sonically like it, yeah. it take and then like and see like the um when he's clawing the the chair to pull the cotton out yeah. and you can hear that claw that yeah. sh- sh- and it's, I really I really man 
It, but, but like as far as critic being a critic about stuff like that, as long as you no- are knowledgeable, as long as you're able to articulate, like you were saying earlier, I agree with that too. Yeah. But like, you gotta be able to be objective. Like I think that's my biggest thing about critics. Like if you mm. if you lean in, like oh this is just the best thing I've ever seen, and then I go watch it, like Slumdog Millionaire was okay. Yeah, I I, I always find that there's this odd thing when people say. You gotta be so uh, objective to be the critic. Isn't there's nothing more subjective than criticizing someone else's work? Yeah, and yeah. looking into it, you know, <laughs> like yes, you can objectively look at it, but still, it's your own point of view. No matter what, it's subjective. But I think your point is, can you? What can you say that will make people want to hear what you want to say? Yeah, I mean, like, the thing I would say, I guess objectively would be, like, semantics-wise would be, like, I could see why someone wouldn't like this. I could see why someone would like this. Yeah. I don't know. I just... Being a critic, to me, is... How... I guess it's, like, there's a trust you have to create. Yeah. Because, like, uh, there's uh, this guy named Emergency Awesome on YouTube. Uh Uh-huh. I've been following him for a long time. Uh... He really likes Supergirl, the TV show. Okay. And I'm like lukewarm on it. Like I just meh. Yeah. Like, but he he's like everyone but he's but his whole mantra is like everything's awesome, everyone stay awesome, like awesome, awesome, yeah, awesome. I like, feel that way about Jeremy can't. Johns. You know, yeah. he just seems like the biggest fucking hack that I've ever <laughs> like I'm I'm just not gonna I, I can't I'm sorry, but he's a guy if you were to say, Hey, Here's uh, here's a uh, movie from the 1930s. He'd be like, I don't want to see that. There are explosions, dude. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> he seems like one of those guys. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. Do we have another six hours? Yeah. No, um, <laughs> no. I mean, I think I think part of it goes back to something you said earlier, Matthew, when we were talking about movies. Uh, one of the key ingredients is quality. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And going back, to something we were talking about just before we got into this segment was the saturation of the market platforms yeah. with content because it's yeah. all out there. Remember to smash that like and subscribe button. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so everybody has access. Well, everyone who's got the internet has the ability to become a critic, whether on Twitter or a free, you know, blog spot. Yeah. yeah, site or whatever. Um, you know, I've been a, a film critic for just about ten years. Yeah, just over ten wow. years, um, and a rec- quote unquote recognized film critic for I think six or seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, you know, I've never been paid. It's mm. all you know, just working constantly, watching yeah. as many movies, many different kinds of movies as possible. Yeah, I evolved from writing like you know nine hundred thousand. Sorry, 900 comma thousand word reviews, <laughs> not 900,000 word reviews. No, yeah. um, man, uh, you wrote 900,000 reviews. No, that's career? what I was saying. Like yeah. reviews that were like 900 or a thousand words long. Oh, okay. not 900,000 words. Right? Reviews. Yeah. <laughs> man, you, you, you re- I wrote four books about one man. movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I would, but I would, you know, at my, you okay. know, earlier on before I had, you know, kids, I would 
watch a movie pretty much every day and yeah. write you know, a thousand plus word review every day. I was a monster. Yeah. And not all that stuff was good, especially because I wasn't sleeping a whole lot. Yeah. Um, please don't look at the deep archive on kickseat.com. <laughs> um, but Scroll I to page 45. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I consumed as much content as possible and I wrote about it and I was as honest as I could be and I tried to formulate a voice and eventually that led to podcasting and then, yeah. you know this year like YouTube channel and all that stuff so constantly trying to grow and figure out what do I have to say that random reviewer on Rotten Tomatoes not even the the critics but yeah. you know you've got the audience scores and the audience reviews how do I stand out from that it's not yeah. a conscious thing it's just that whenever I talk about something or write something I want to make sure that it's coming from my point of view yeah well you had said earlier Matthew about this critic loving Supergirl and you said, no, that show's kind of nonsense. That's your opinion. Yeah, yeah that's your point and of view And you can't on crawl yeah. inside someone else's head to figure out if they're just shilling, like perhaps a Jeremy Johns might. From oh, no, he's objectively might. shit. Well, I, I'm just kidding. No, well, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I've recently discovered his stuff on YouTube, yeah. and I, I watch it. He's got the douche aura about him. <laughs> but <laughs> as far as his analysis, I've listened to some of his stuff. I'm like... I disagree with that, but I like his presentation. But or yeah, I could I'm easily jump him, right? cut in between all my sentences and make myself sound like I know what I'm talking about. But that's but <laughs> that's YouTube. I mean, that's that's a style of I mean, content yeah. creation, right? Yeah, that's a stylistic um, style. On social media, jump cuts lazy. are well. But here's the, the thing: you say the, the word "lazy," right? Yeah. That's that's you watching the end product of a of a five minute video. How long did it take him to shoot that? I could tell and you edit from it, experience. Right? <laughs> But but you're not you're not in his shoes. It yeah. might take him a long time to to put this stuff yeah, together. Maybe as a team, I don't know. Yeah. But see, you're more open minded than me. So <laughs> right. But that's as but as a film yeah. critic, yeah. as you go along in your journey yeah. and you watch and experience different kinds of films and get to talk to filmmakers, I. One of the big benefits of being a film critic to me yeah. is the access you get to filmmakers because mm -hmm. that will dis that will dissolve a lot of preconceptions you have mm -hmm. about the people who make movies, the way movies get made. Oh yeah, you know the the, the systems that go in place, the interference and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I, th I one of the beautiful things is I can go back and look at a review I wrote for a film you know five ten years ago, watch that movie and be like I was way off base because. I understand the perspective I was coming from back then, but it's totally different from the one I have now. Yeah. And if I were to view, revisit it 10 years from now, maybe I'll go back and thinking, oh, that was shit. And when I was 42, I didn't know anything yeah. <laughs> or I was going through a weird phase. <laughs> That's the other thing about criticism is the way you interpret and engage a film has a lot to do with how tired was I when I watched it? Did I just yeah. have a breakup? Do I, for some reason, think that Republicans are not inherently funny right now? <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. Because people change and they evolve. Yeah. And the content doesn't. The content is static. Static. But the way yeah. you engage with it, you can watch the movie 2001 A Space Odyssey once a year for a decade, and it will be a different film every time you go back to it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, maybe every three years, because you don't need to watch 2001 every year to get the point. You can. Yeah. I, I've seen it on this big screen like but seven I, times I, now. Yeah, um, I agree. But I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, I I came from a background where, and I remember I had this conversation at a film festival uh, way back, uh, where, what well, was it way back? It was like two years ago. I'm going to vouch now. That's way back. And uh, <laughs> essentially, uh, what, what, what I was talking to this guy about is, you know, there's a lot of film critics, but I started in a filmmaking background. Like, when I was 13 years old, I made my first movie 
on uh, you know the old Bolex cameras that you roll and 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 mm-hmm. chop up the film with. You know the movie sucked, but I was thirteen. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but you made a movie. Yeah, and I uh, was also like the youngest volunteer. They didn't even allow volunteers at this age at like my cable access station at thirteen. And I, when I was in high school, I made various films that won a lot of awards. And then in college, I made movies, and I still make movies while reviewing films. So for me, it's like I I feel like I can talk about movies because I not only have made them, but I started making them in the analog era. Mm. And the digital era, and I really and I've worked on you know the big budget films. I I got stories about Michael Bay. <laughs> oh, I feel like they would be you, miserable stories. Yes, everything you've heard about him is true and worse. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, but if then, you, you know what Michael Bay movie when you see it, and he's yeah. like, oh, he doesn't like himself. Yeah, well, you get exactly. <laughs> he is a very insecure man, yeah. just like our presidents, mm. but not my president. Okay, okay, but uh, and I've lost all my fans. But what a hill what? to die on. Here's 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 <laughs> well, here's something that uh, a critic uh, was talking about uh, on a panel, which is he said as a writer, and I always like this. He said, "Do not hold back." Hmm. You know, because and I know I certainly got a lot of shit for it when I wrote my Joker review. I compared it to the Trump era and the how a reelection of Donald Trump could lead to more violence. And this film was a warning about that. And holy shit, did people jump on me, even people in film based discussions. But you know what? People listened to what I wrote. I think they gave it important. Yeah, it's important. And that's the thing. Like, what can you say? Not just to be different. Don't connect. Don't just try to be different. You know, people try to tell me to be different because, you know, I have my own mental issues. It's not obvious by now. I'm not exactly stable. <laughs> and, um, and and then, you know, I mean, soon I might tear my clothes off and squawk around the room like a chicken. Uh, I'd but, pay to see that. Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> that would be a video. <laughs> you know. <laughs> i just say, where's the camera? <laughs> <laughs> but but I don't, no, I think that's a good. But, yeah, you we, have to find your voice and know what you're yeah. saying and why. And it's important, yeah. and it's important because I think when we look for critics, some yeah. people come with critics so narrow-minded, you know, like oh yes, and you you're giving more of a nuanced um, narrative, yeah. and so because some people, when it comes to like cinema and art, they don't want to see themselves in the art. They think they can just look at a pic- picture of a painting or whatever that art piece is, that property is, yeah. and just go, hmm, I like this, I didn't like it, but like yeah. when you really feel something like that. It, that's and then that's what you that's what you did. You sparked, you know, that that type of review and those type of reviews spark yeah. something in someone. And you got to like, have an open mind because you got to you got to be able to see a movie that you don't think you're going to like. Like, I didn't think I was going to like La La Land because, mm. you know, I, I'm not a musical guy, you know. But what did I do? I sat my ass in that seat. I watched the movie and I loved it. Yeah. You yeah. know, because yeah. I gave it a chance. You know, I just just like you know, with Ford versus Ferrari, I don't I don't care about cars, but they all see it, I'll love it. So who knows? You know, yeah, I mean, I mean, for a two and a half hour length, maybe it'll speed by. There's a fucking pun. Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, I think there's what is a critic is a is a huge question, and you know, we're not going to solve that here. I think we've made no. some good inroads to perhaps like sixteen more discussions. <laughs> but I think one of the the key things that you touched on, Matthew, is. Not just like watching a movie and saying, "Oh, it sucked," or "You know, it was great." Mm-hmm. 
you know, with the with the podcast I, that I put out, like two to three episodes a week and a YouTube show, and I'm not trying yeah. to toot my own horn, but just to give a context, this is something I believe in and I love talking about. I cannot watch a movie and not talk about it for at least yeah. 45 minutes to an hour. Even if I yeah. hated it, sometimes especially if I hated it, there's always something there for me to dig into, and part of that is putting it in the context of other films that I've seen. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because sometimes I, I know whenever I finish a movie... And I'll, I'll walk around the room like a crazy person talking to myself about it, you know? <laughs> right. And, and, and being yeah. a critic is just yeah. kind of like taking transcribing that inner monologue yeah. into a into something that you can share with people. Yeah. Whether it's the written word or, or a video or a podcast. Yeah. Um, now, I keep hitting back on this. The Internet has made it so that there are a million critics out there. Yeah. But yeah. there's a difference between being someone. I've heard people say there's a difference between being a reviewer and a critic. Yeah. Or just someone with opinion versus a, a reviewer or a critic. Like, what's the difference? Yeah. I don't exactly know. But I know that when I go to Rotten Tomatoes and I see someone leave a, a three-word sen- or a three-sentence review about The Irishman, <laughs> I don't consider that film criticism. Yeah. <laughs> unless it's like, you know, the most... It, unless it's like Mark Kermode or Richard Roper, they could probably put together a really strong yeah. argument and yeah. might respect them. But the, even that's based on pedigree. And yeah. does pedigree matter in terms of criticism? Maybe. Mm. Sure. What if you're a brand new critic mm. and 15 years from now you're going to be the next Roger Ebert, but right now it's your first review? Yeah. Can someone write you off because, like, oh, you got no pedigree? Like yeah. Vincent Van Gogh wasn't realized, recognized until years yeah. after he was dead. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I really... I really just like have this thing like because I I remember before I got into like watching films heavily yeah. like movies would win Oscars that I had never even seen before and I just be oh like, yeah oh what, yeah what is that what movie is this and then like uh, who the fuck's all lying still I, I just, I just, <laughs> and, but like then, I no that's a real question but, who the fuck's but I all guess that that, <laughs> that kind of goes to yeah. the point that you were making Mike how I went and saw Slumdog Millionaire I still thought it was a good movie I just didn't it was like wow it was like Hyped up like my hype kills so many movies. Hype, hype, it hype, killed. Hype, hype. It killed No Country yeah. for Old Men for me. I thought. I thought. I thought it was good. Yeah. And then, um, but like that challenge, I did. I stepped out of my, you know, I stepped out of my comfort zone to see yeah. that movie. But in doing so, I made it more of a, um, made it more of a practice. So like yeah. I saw Moonlight. I mean, years later, I've seen uh, just so many movies I wouldn't have gone and seen on my own. Yeah. Uh, because of that reason, so Did you see Moonlight with your girlfriend or with another? No, no. I keep saying girlfriend because that's all I've ever called her. But it's my fiance slash wife, and I we went and saw. I saw it with we my watched, dad. We watched. That was awkward. We <laughs> saw Moonlight. To yeah, we watched Moonlight together. But we we really enjoyed it. That movie moved me. And then yeah. um, the other movie that I saw just recently that I don't remember being in theaters was If Beale Street Could Talk, mm. and that was another movie because like. I, I is a constant in the mind circles that oh rom coms or rom- romantic dramas are like just uh, they're you know these datey movies but like if Bill Street can talk felt so warm and genuine and yeah. just like it it doesn't even though it's hard it doesn't have to be miserable that's right. kind of like the message I got and I liked about yeah. that movie so yeah. on that note and I still haven't seen if Bill Street would talk I gotta catch up with it I think that was from last year actually yeah, yeah. Um, James oh, Baldwin yep that's a book I read it it's beautiful. He wrote a book of uh, film critic essays. Really? Uh, and I can't, it was, I want to say it was like The Devil Speaks or something like I that. I think it is what's. Right. Mm. But it, yeah, if you haven't read it, read it. It's fun because it's about film criticism, but it's also not. It's great. Um, yeah. He's so genius. Yeah. He so, so 
Now, I think you can go the far end of the spectrum, which drives me crazy about critics. And I love my colleagues, and I've, I'm friends with a lot of them. Yeah. But sometimes, here's a great example. The same weekend Star Wars Rise of Skywalker opens, we are also getting Cats. Cats is... Uh, That's going to be fun. Well, here's the thing. Cats is reviled before anyone's seen it. You know, they're, they're going based on the trailers. I, I, I want to see what they do. The music looks great. Well, here's mm. here's here's my point exactly. Yeah. Uh, I was on Twitter, uh, I think, last night because an invitation came out for the press screening for Cats. Yeah. And a colleague yeah. I know uh, posted, like, if someone will pay me $250... Uh, to write my honest opinion, I will go see this movie and report back. And I'm like, you're my friend, and I respect your opinion, but you know, climb out from your own ass, yeah, and just enjoy the movie or don't see it and don't say anything, because I feel like, and this is a person who makes films, mm -hmm. films that I, for the most part, really like, mm -hmm. and they're very much film scholars, and they could tell you, you know, every Ag Agnes Varda picture and you know, mm -hmm. tons of stuff mm -hmm. that I haven't even seen. But when it comes to like the popular culture, it's almost like the Scorsese thing we were talking mm -hmm, about. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. like, I hate to use the phrase stay in your lane, but it's like yeah. if you're going to come out of your lane, do some research before you open your mouth. Yeah. Because everybody's got a hot take on cats before anyone's seen it. I'm not saying it's going to be great art, but it is still art. The yeah. people who made it oh, yeah. aren't like... Oh, I don't really care about this. I'm not, I'm gonna spend 16 yeah. hours in makeup and subject myself <laughs> to this weird digital, you know, process yeah. so I can embarrass Even myself. Tommy Wiseau cared when he made the room. But yeah, yeah, but but I'm saying like Taylor Swift, Idris Elba, yeah. Sir Ian McKellen. Work maybe goes it's into a paycheck because they paid him 20 million dollars. Yeah. But it's like these are serious people. But they still got to do the job. If they if they half-ass it, you're gonna notice. Right. Yeah. So perhaps this thing comes out, and that's kind of my fear. If Cats is great, is anyone going to notice? Mm. Like, or are critics going to go and be like, oh, yeah. that movie. It, yeah. Let's rewind a couple of years ago to The Greatest Showman, mm -hmm. a movie that I avoided in theaters because everybody I know who was a critic went and saw it and panned it. I rented yeah. it like when it came out on video, and my wife and I loved it, which uh -huh. was in line with everybody else that I know who was not a critic who saw it. They're like, oh, this is the best movie. I'm like, yeah, my yeah. critic friends said it was like garbage. I'm going to kind of go with them because, you know, uh, we're kind of like brethren in that sense. But in that case, I was like, you motherfuckers, I missed seeing this in the theater because you told me not to go. And it, yeah. 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 The thing is, don't be afraid. We, we have sort of this, this, uh, this mob mentality I was just what about it comes cult mentality. To, yeah, yeah to to agreeing on a film you know if you don't like you know the new Star Wars movie then you're right if you like it you're a sellout you yeah, know because I, I actually have told Mike this before we talked about this I said that for, for all the people that really love the first three Star Wars guess what movie we're going to talk about yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like these first three Star I like was it A New Hope came on TV one day and I was like how did anyone fall in love with this movie how yeah. did anyone Nostalgia. fall in love with this franchise that movie is so hard to watch mm. I, my dad, I love this my I love this you're saying speech Preach. But then you're not going like, to I totally disagree, but, but I love that it's a different opinion. I love you, it. Right, because you're, you're not going to agree with me because I like I the newest movies more. I, I really know. Like you told me that. I love it. I just, like the second film, that second movie, like the second one was this, the, of the newest three. That Last scene Jedi. where the the commander takes her spaceship through the Empire. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Is, that is a beautiful, like that is, yeah. that is hearkened to that old sci-fi. Like the yeah. reason Star Wars was like, 
in everybody's ingrained in everybody's minds. And I was like, that is a beautiful shot. And uh. that and that is that is uh, uh, that's cinema. Yes. Because mm. in if that were just a dumb roller coaster movie, she would have pointed the ship at the other ship, and it would have been like zoom, yep. you know, yep. seventy-five yeah. dicks. There was there were stories written about this at the time it came out. People complain, getting up and going to find the manager because they thought the sound had yeah. gone out. They had in their to put the signs outside the theater. Right. So <laughs> when she and then this and it just goes dead silent. And I was like, <gasps> that's so good. Yeah. It's beautiful. So good. Yeah, oh, that is man. good. I don't know, but you know? that's that's so. I, that, I know, Mike. I know you. No, don't. I know. Here's the thing. <laughs> I have my reservations about the Last Jedi, but when I said, you know, when you're a critic and you have to be objective and i believe that you know there's nothing more subjective than being a critic as a star wars fan it's very hard for me to be subjective or objective about the last jedi because i'm like he throws a lightsaber like it's a fucking joke are you kidding me you know <laughs> so it's it's subverting hard, expectations like, yeah yes <laughs> oh he's averted them all right yeah, yeah, and he, he turned did. it into a goddamn comedy angry. routine he made you know? very angry yeah. But. Well, and that's that's not that we have to rehash The Last Jedi, but yeah. that's yeah. one of the things that I loved about that movie because The Force Awakens was so faithful to A New Hope that when Ryan Johnson came in and completely cleared the chessboard, yeah, I'm show. like, yeah. in, I, well, based on Knives Out, yeah, I'll, I'll say he's yeah. a hack, but... No, uh, I said a hacksaw. I didn't say he's a hack. Oh, I just heard Ryan Johnson's a hack because that's, no, what, I, that's the refrain do, that goes through my head every day. No, I do not. I do not <laughs> think he's a hack. I like Brick. I, 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 like I know. Brick I'm, I'm being facetious, yeah. um, <laughs> sort of. Eddie, but but when I found he's out, critic. Uh, when I found out that uh, what what well, what, no, when I found out J.J. Abrams was coming back for the third one, I'm like, oh no, they're just gonna try and. Pick up the pieces. And sew them back together. They're literally they doing it in the trailer where Kylo Ren is putting back together his helmet. in a chair yeah. with his knitting needles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why, and I've heard a lot of problems. I'm going to be fascinated by seeing Rise of Skywalker, how, it's they, gonna how they put it all a together. It's going to be a train wreck. Yeah, because we'll find out we'll if the, the rumors about the test screenings and you know how J.J. Abrams said last week, yeah, we finally finished the movie. I'm like, oh, I'm glad, you know, two weeks out. Um, Whoa. Yeah, so... Again, we'll find out who's oh. bullshitting and who's not on the yeah. internet because YouTube is full of these giant factions of people warring, right? Avoid YouTube. Avoid. You'll probably... Actually, no. Uh, watch. You'll probably... Re, uh, <laughs> avoid YouTube. Except for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. No. No, I, I, I just wanted to bring that up because I just... It really... You... The way you explain your... The way you go about critiquing. Yeah. Talking about challenging. I yeah. Just, I've thought about that. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is one of those things. But it's great. When people do talk about The Last Jedi, I do like how it splits people up so much, including myself. There is a degree of me that respects the movie for really taking a chance and that Disney put all their faith in that one guy. Whether I agree with his decisions or not is another story, but I respect what that movie tried to do. And one of the other things that I think is important to film criticism is how critics react to other criticism. Mm -hmm. Like... I was a huge fan of Last Jedi coming out of the theater. I remember recording the podcast immediately after with a circle of critics, and yeah. one of them said, you know, this is probably the best Star Wars movie ever. Ooh, and I understand yeah. that was like a big, hot, emotional thing, And but we were all sort of on the same wavelength. Well, yeah, you're, you're, you just came off a high. Right. Yeah. But afterward, and I know people who came out of the theater saying that was trash, you know? Yeah. yeah. But I've heard in the intervening years a lot of the criticisms of The Last Jedi, yeah. and I can take that on board and be like, 
I understand the slow motion chase through space is really dumb because I could have just like hyper sped it in front of them like and a caught them. It's a consequentialist spot. That's but, not a word, but now it is. Well, yeah. But yeah. I understand all of the points that people, even the angry, we'll call them misogynist trolls for the for the shorthand. Yeah. I understand all of their criticisms. You mean Rose? I, huh? You mean Rose's character? No, no I mean uh, for, for what's other. What's his name? Poe. Poe Dameron's character. What where, about. Well, oh, he. Yeah. where Because where Poe Dameron's character has two moments where he tries to do the machismo choice. Oh, yeah. Like, and and no, he gets called out on it. He gets called out. I was fine with that. that. But I think that'll make him a better character for the next movie if yeah. they keep him on that He cannon. becomes like the real leader. Yeah. yeah. But I can under, I can see, I understand the perspective of people who watch that movie with a certain lens. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I can see all of your criticisms in there. It's not all imagined. I don't know if it's deliberate or if you just, kind of like that. That Shining documentary, Room 237, yeah, about yeah. how people watched that and came up with all these conspiracy theories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all based on something they saw in the film <laughs> and watching that documentary and hearing their stories. I'm like, yeah, that is kind of eerie. Probably has nothing to do with reality at all, <laughs> but there is a basis <laughs> right. there and I can take that on board and still have it not affect in the least my enjoyment of the film. Because yeah. I can say, yeah, sometimes I just am really in love with ridiculous trash. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. If that ain't the truth about Man, who doesn't love bad movies? Uh, They're fun. Yeah, I agree. There's a reason people go out to see The Room, you know. Uh, the Room? Because The, the Room is amazing. Theater. Yes, it yeah. is. And the music and box, some, the flying some, spoons. Oh, God, it's wonderful. That's it's the wonderful. The Room was, yeah. the Room. I really mean that, yeah. Is, yeah. We were, even Dolomite. Yeah. I mean, Dolomite is so good. Not Dolomite is my name. Dolomite. It's yeah. a really good movie, but it's I so bad. Know. It's so very bad. <laughs> oh, oh. oh, oh I but see um, is there is there anything else you want to cover on this mic? Because because mm, not really. Because my <laughs> parking cause the parking oh, meter oh, yeah. is hitting. Oh, okay. The parking the, no. the, the uh, thing will ring soon, and I will have to just. Oh, walk that's away okay. Yeah, no. Uh, I think we all kind of have an understanding of what it's like to be a critic, which yeah. is you have to be able to articulate something. When my dad saw Moonlight with me. You know, he can't really articulate his opinion. I'm not knocking him. I love him. Uh, I hope he likes his Christmas gift I got him. <laughs> and um, I remember I walked out of the theater. I'm like, you what are the oddest plugs, man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, Shout well, out to my dad. I'm, 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 uh, I'm socially awkward. It's uh, okay, but man. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Anyways, um, I remember I walked out of the theater, and I'm like, what do you think of it? He's like, the whole movie was just about these guys finding out that they're gay. I don't care if they're gay. <laughs> and then, like, that was her. That was his whole review. And I'm like, well, it's about being a black man in America and how you know you have to be tough because then you're viewed as. He's like, yeah, I, I know that. I grew up on the west side. I don't care. I don't what, what if I care if they're gay or not? So like, maybe he's not the most articulate man it's, to watch. It, um. But yeah. it challenged what he. I think it challenged the lens as to which the way he saw the world. I think that's no, why he didn't care. <laughs> no, I mean like no but that that dismissiveness. I'm and I'm yeah. not trying to like come after your dad or anything like that. Yeah, but go like, ahead. But like I'm just saying like that dismissiveness <laughs> comes from like being told a story that doesn't involve you. Yeah. You know yeah. that dismissiveness that I don't care what happens type thing that comes from that. Yeah. So to not see himself in the films that he sees. Uh, to not see himself in the films that he sees yeah. is what is might spark that type of like reaction yeah. to it. Because um, I know a lot of times like people want to see themselves in the movies that they watch. Yeah. So exactly, you gotta. You know that the thing that Ebert loved was he loved to see 
a movie. It was a vehicle for empathy. You could take yourself to another person, to another place, you know, for someone from another culture, another class. You know, you could experience that that feeling with them on a, on a certain level. Actually, you know, one of my favorite movies of this year that I don't think will get Oscar consideration, and I hope it does, is a movie I forgot the name of. Uh, no, uh, it was... Um, it was with Aquafina, and it was about her. Oh yeah, oh, the yeah. farewell. The farewell. The I want to see that. Yeah. yeah, I still have to watch that. Yeah, I still haven't seen that. I want to see it. I heard it was phenomenal. Yeah, and that's a movie where you're taken to a different culture and you completely yeah connect to something. And I think and being that able to see yeah. movies like that and talk about them can make you a critic, and being able to articulate what you want. But I'm gonna wrap this up. Uh, I want to thank Matthew Bright, the social media manager at Laugh Factory Chicago. We have great shows every night, especially Friday and Saturday. Correct. Also, check out Go Hard, the show that he produces. And go check out Ian Simmons, Kicking the Seat podcast, and What If He Doesn't Survive, the podcast on The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. On YouTube, yeah. Yes, on YouTube. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about that last episode. You know, uh, on I still have to watch it. I'm going to do that tonight. Yeah, yeah. Make sure y'all like uh, and subscribe. Do y'all probably agree? Of course, you know, like, subscribe, smash that subscribe button, smash guys. <laughs> smash that like button. I'm going to be like Jim Cramer. Sell, 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 sell. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> Mad money. That's yeah. Funny. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Galway Bay, located located 500. Ah, fucking words. Located <laughs> at five. 500 West Diversity Parkway, Chicago, Illinois. We will see you guys later. Goodbye, and may the force be with you.